John Wirth. I'm here with this week's Sports Illustrated Tennis Podcast. We talk to players, coaches, others. Today we have a special other. Our guest is Dave Yeager. You probably know him as coach of the Memphis Grizzlies, but he is also a fierce player and fierce tennis fan. How are you, Coach? I'm well, John. Thanks for doing this. I appreciate that. Uh, it'll be fun. I was thinking, you, you are the Kevin Anderson of NBA coaches. Ke- Kevin Anderson came uh, very close to beating the eventual Wimbledon champion, Novak Djokovic. You came very close to beating the eventual champ, the Golden State Warriors. But uh, <laughs> you like that? Yeah, it was, it was a tremendous season for us. We, we felt good about our group, and we've got a core you know, group of guys that have been together for a while, and uh, you know, we're known to, to be tough and, and defense-minded, and uh, you know, we've got some good big guys in Zach Randolph and Marcus All, and we try to play through those guys as much as possible. And uh, it was a good season. I thought we gave it a, a tremendous run at Golden State, and uh, you know, hats off to them. They had a tremendous season, and obviously winning the whole thing. Uh, you know, they're a good team. You, I was thinking you guys play a few blocks from the Mississippi River. If the Mississippi Rivers are nation's dividing point, and we could move you into the Eastern Conference, and you guys would really be in good shape. You hear different things about that. We kind of are one of the most uh, easternmost Western Conference teams. So, uh, you know, it, it has its uh, its perks. You know, certainly uh, teams on either end of the coast have longer road trips, you know, so that's one of the nice things for us, uh, you know, going across the country to play the other conference. But at the same time, uh, you know, we have some longer trips too. So, uh, you know, you just try to battle through it. And, and we, we love our city, and uh, I think our city loves Grizzlies basketball. And, uh, it's a, it's a really a neat atmosphere to be a part of. You do not have nearly as far to go on your road trips as tennis players do. Um, you, I, I know you were just you were just in Newport. We were just talking about uh, Rajiv Ram, who now I see is playing in, in South America. Uh, that's a rough. Never mind back to backs. That's a uh, that's a rough road trip. But uh, let's let's talk some tennis. Everybody said, oh, if, you, if you're doing this podcast, you, you got to talk to Jaeger. He's a huge tennis guy. So. Uh, Tell me, what's what's your relationship with tennis? Uh, you know, grew up in a small town and, uh, you know, playing basketball and baseball and this and that. And, uh, you know, my dad tried to get the uh, the tennis, the boys' tennis program going, and we started when we were about 9 or 10. And, you know, in central Minnesota, uh, you know, you're not playing outside anywhere from, uh, say, October till April. You know, it's a little chilly, a little bit of snowfall, uh, no indoor courts, and, and uh, we just really enjoyed playing, getting out, and, uh, you know, my dad was our coach and, and just a group of friends of mine and I. And, you know, no, it started with an older group that really got it going. And, and uh, we kind of came up and uh, good friends and uh, good times and lots of trips. Uh, you know, we'd go camping uh, at, while we played a tournament and you know, stay at the KOA or whatever and uh, play as many matches as we could and help each other and, and uh, just had a good time and, and enjoyed the sport. Uh, again, you know, we didn't get to play 10, 11 months out of the year where you play three, four months and you play a different sport in this, but. You know, it really became a big a big thing for uh, for our group. We ended up winning uh, two state championships as a team uh, in Minnesota, and it was, you know, really a proud a proud deal to to grow up from that age. You know, eight, nine, ten, and doing it in a small town together. Uh, it, it was a really a, a big deal, uh, camaraderie wise, friendship and, and lifetime lifetime memories wise. So uh, it, it was a good time, and you know, I was a much better tennis player than I was basketball player. Uh, to go on and play in college, but you know my heart was really, you know, I like. 
like the team aspect of basketball, and so uh, you know, I ended up playing Division Two uh, basketball and had had an enjoyable uh, career. And but you know, and then just didn't play that much for the last you know fifteen, eighteen years. You know, every now and then. And now the last three, four years, played a doubles match here and there, and, and have gotten back into it. I got real involved with uh, the uh, NJTL program here in Memphis, the National Junior Tennis and Learning, which is you know, as we all know, was started by Arthur Ashe and. Uh, Charlie Passarella and, and uh, 1969, and, and it's something that I've really tried to get involved with and help kids uh, in the city, and uh, it's, it's been a great program, and, and we give uh, money to it, try to raise funds for it, and, and bring exposure to it. We've got the USTA involved here in Memphis uh, with the program now, too, and it's, uh, it just keeps growing, which is great. I'm interested. First of all, I, th- I think you're the first person ever to use KOA in tennis in the same sentence, but uh, <laughs> but I, I love the visual. It's uh, as a uh, uh, we had the tent and you know the like twelve passenger van and a bunch of kids and coolers and water coolers and you know good good times, good I, memories. I'm telling you, one of my pet peeves is when tennis is always talked about as this country club sport, and you go through. You mentioned Arthur Ashe and Serena Williams and Agassi. I mean, go through the players, and surprisingly few of them actually come from a country club environment, but. Uh, your, your tennis background doesn't sound a whole lot different from mine in uh, in the Midwest. You you were a better player. I never won state championships. But I, I'm curious about the transition because it seems like one issue tennis has is you get these players, you get these young athletes, they love it, and then they transition to team sports. And maybe it's the camaraderie and maybe it's the expense. But, I mean, I, I've seen – I mean, you're, you're a player. You're, you're not a Hollywood star tapping a ball around. I mean, I, I can – Tell, tell just watching YouTube. I mean, you know what you're doing. What went into that decision when you made that transition from tennis to basketball? It was tough. Uh, it, it was tough. Uh, maybe it was, you know, my dad was first a basketball coach and so and, and remained a basketball coach uh, throughout my high school career. Uh, but I always, you know, just being in the gym when I was five years old and trying to pretend to draw plays and, you know, being around the guys and just seeing – you know, it's a larger group of guys, similar to, you know, going back and trying to play football. I tried to get back into, into football later in my high school career after blowing out an ACL. And and the reason is, and maybe it's not just because it was a small town, it's, it's everywhere, but there's something about the, the power of numbers and, and a group of guys or gals doing something for one goal. And uh, and then that's something that, you know, it is. It, tennis, you know, you kind of do your job in, in your area and try to win your point or you and your doubles partner try to win your point and that that is really cool my my double partner from high school and i are still great friends uh he'll find me when we're in portland he lived up there and we'd go hit, hit the ball around and talk about old times and stuff and um, so that that the team part of it is really uh really enjoyable and how we can do you know billy jean king was talking about a team tennis series that she's working on and, and has gotten bigger and bigger this last weekend and uh, those things are fun to be part of and i think you see that you know in the davis cup competition and stuff like that too but you know, for me, it was a, it was a tough decision uh, because I probably could have gone further, so to speak. You know, with tennis, I don't think I was ever going to be a pro. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't that good. But um, yeah, it was just it was just the the, the, the camaraderie and the team aspect uh, a little bit more in basketball. There was a vicious rumor that you uh, even before Newport, you were, were you at an event in Europe this spring with uh, with Marcus Sol, or was that bad information? Yeah. Yeah, so I, you know, I carry my rackets now, and uh, so I check into the hotel in Stuttgart, uh, Germany, and I know I'm not going to get together with Mark until the following day. He was there visiting some family and whatnot, and this, and, 
and I said that I got to the desk and says, you know, are there anywhere I can, you know, find find a tennis match or just hit with somebody or something? Yeah, and they said, uh, well, we have a club. It's called uh, Wessendorf. Okay, that's cool. Uh, but he says, you know, they've they've got a thing going on. It's called the Mercedes Benz Classic Cup or Mercedes Benz Cup. I was like, oh, and they're like. You ever heard of this guy, uh, Ross, 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 Nadal? <laughs> you know, he, I'm, I'm like, what did I just trip into here? So I made a couple calls, and, uh, you know, Mark and I had some lunch the next day, and then I, I kind of said, hey, you go, let's, let's take some more time, and kind of surprised him. He's a tennis fan, and, and we got to go walk around, and uh, Tommy Haas was playing, uh, Nadal and uh, Feliciano Lopez were playing some dubs. And it was it was just a great time just to do something different. You know, all we ever see each other generally is, in a hotel, uh, on the plane, on the bus, or, or practice or game court, right? So it, it was just a really neat deal, and uh, I think he appreciated it. We got to see some great tennis uh, on grass. Now, all of a sudden, I've gotten to see uh, two tournaments in the last three weeks uh, on grass, which is just a true treat for me. I've played on it twice ever in my life, and, uh, you know, to be around that stuff, that's fantastic. Mark got a kick out of it. It was really cool. I think you did pretty well with Mark, too. Yeah, I got, I got, I'm a better coach this week than I was when yeah, he wasn't exactly. signed yet. You got to watch grass court tennis when you weren't expecting to, and you, uh, you, you get to keep an all star on your roster. But what, what, when you're up close in person, you're around elite athletes all the time. When you're watching Nadal, Feliciano Lopez, the guys in Newport, what, what are you struck by? What do I what? What, what are you struck by? What are you noticing when you, you, you see elite athletes all the time? When you see yeah, these tennis yeah, players, yeah, what, that, what strikes you? Top one percent of the one percent. So like from right. that all, I, I can't get over what a tremendous athlete he is. He's just like a muscle from head to toe, and his toughness and the amount of force that he plays with, and doesn't ever quit on a ball. It seems like he gives everything into every single shot. Uh, his his focus to me is. You know, they're all, obviously, like you said, they're all elite athletes. What makes one guy a little bit better than the other? And, I mean, his, his intensity and his focus to me is, is off the charts compared to even the, the rest of the guys that are at his level. Uh, and I'm not to, I'm just taking him and not, we can go down the line with Federer, or, you know, Djokovic, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, in the men's game. And uh, that's just one of the things you ask about that, that strikes me. Uh, secondly is, is the amount of, of pace that they're able to play with on the serve. Uh, and the, the, the great hands that they have, especially on the grass, to be able to return serve uh, that is, A, moving very quickly, and B, is going to skid on you. And third, uh, something that, you know, we all, if we're, we're going to try to get up to a higher level, is the ability of these players to take the ball on the rise. It was always a big deal when we came up, like, oh, Agassi takes the ball on the rise. Courier, look what he does, takes the ball on the rise. And you can step into the court, and you can play with more force, and, it's just a given now. That that used to be like a big deal, and now, man, that's just like par for the course. That's just minimum standards. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He can dribble with his left hand too. Um, <laughs> what uh, you you played? You played some points with Sam Query. I saw during the yeah, Memphis event. We played an exhibition uh, here at the at the Memphis Open uh, two years ago, and we tried to we try to cross promote it. You know, get those guys out to the uh, to a Memphis you know, Grizzlies home game and, and promote the tournament and, and then at the same time go over there and, and try to promote the tournament over there and, and get the Grizzlies involved. So it's been a good partnership, and we played like a 10-point 10 10 tiebreaker. And, and he was nice. I, I was I had not played a lot, so I wasn't going to sit back there and try to, you know, bang away ground strokes with him. And uh, he was nice. He was, you know, throwing the ball over his left shoulder and hitting me some kick serves. And, <laughs> and it was good, and I'd chip and charge and try to come to the net uh, here and there. And then... I'm standing back there, and he didn't throw it over his left shoulder. 
he threw it straight up and forward, and I'm like, oh, here comes the big boy. <laughs> so I don't know what, he, you know, we didn't have a clock on his 120 or 125 or something. So I, you know, I give myself a, a, a good firm grip on my on my handle and happened to just stick my racket out, and he happened to serve it there, I think, and I, I kind of hit it back to him. And everybody's like, ooh, yeah, I mean, it's the luckiest shot in history, right? That's, that's <laughs> but Midwest. he rears back and that's, hits a big uh... serve. So. But it was, it was good. It was good for the tournament. It was good for the Grizzlies, and, and we had a, had a real nice time. And, you know, what's really neat now is, is seeing these guys. You know, I saw uh, Jack Sock uh, last year at the tournament in Memphis, Now I, and I got to see him this weekend uh, and hang out with him and, and his team. Uh, of coaches there in, in Newport and, and get to see, spend some time with J.T. Smith, who had a tremendous week right. Uh, right. from the University of Tennessee and really kind of came out of nowhere and did a great job getting to the semis of this tournament. And then, you know, you see Isner, you know, he's giving him reviews out there shooting free throws while I was in, in, you know, during a timeout, and I'm in my coach's huddle, and I said, why don't you come over here and draw play? They're like, really? <laughs> I was like, no, I can't do that, but good luck on your free throws. And Just, you know, being able to see those guys, I'll see, uh, I'll be at the Miami we're playing the Miami Heat, and if the Miami Open was was going on, I got to go sit with Sam Stanley and watch him play play a match here and there, and uh, you know it, it, it's a neat deal. I'm very fortunate. That's great. The um, I think part of being a tennis fan means having thoughts on what the sport can do to become more popular. You you know, great character builder, great people. We all like the, this physical mental overlay. We all sort of ask ourselves, why isn't this popularity more widespread? What um, whether it's your involvement in Memphis or what you saw at the pro event, I mean, what what would you do to sort of from a, from a marketing standpoint or from a getting more participation? Well, I think there's a couple thoughts? things. I, I think it is coming back now. Uh, you know, you and I are both you know kind of came up in the '80s where you know, we were talking about this on the tennis channel last week. Uh, where the racket started changing, all of a sudden you had to, I play with a Prince Junior, you know, and the <laughs> Prince Pro came out and they were bigger and and they were lighter and, and more people were able to have more success. Uh, and it would seem like the golden age with McEnroe and Connors and, and all those guys that were in Lendl and, and then the Swedes and uh, all this, Matt Martina and, and Chrissy going at it. And, and it was awesome, man. It was, it was really awesome and to watch CBS Sports on Labor Day for when the, when, the, when the Open was going on, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that really helped the game. And I think now what's helping the game for younger kids they're getting, they get frustrated. We all got frustrated to have balls bounce over our head when we were only three foot eight tall. You know what I mean? And I right. think the low compression balls are really helping our game. Giving kids a, a chance, playing on a lower net, playing on a smaller court, to have success a little bit quicker. Uh, and it's a lot more fun, you know, than having a one-shot rally or this and that. Uh, balls being able to go back and forth and you start to feel good about it. Uh, I think that's really helping us. I think, you know, the grassroots things that we can do uh, with public tennis uh, are helping get more kids involved. And certainly I know it's in here it's, it's helping kids change lives, but as far as you know, the growth of the sport, I think it gets more people out uh, to be able to have some success if they can learn earlier in in their lives the game. And, and as we both know and all know, that it's something that you can play for a lifetime. Great sport. I, I, I don't know if you ever heard the story when John Calipari was, uh, yeah, but Memphis Link, but when uh, when Calipari was coaching the, the Nets, the New Jersey Nets, he brings in Pete Sampras. Sampras is number one. It's after he won the U.S. Open. He shows a clip. And afterwards, the, the players sort of look at each other and say, I don't understand. What did he do? He, he, he vomited on a court and he hit a fuzzy ball. Um, I'm, I'm not sure uh, <laughs> Sampras made much of an impact. But what, what do you think sort of the, the basketball-tennis overlap is? I mean, if you were talking to your team and, and had a tennis lesson, what would it be? It, it would be the mental, absolutely. Uh, the time that we spend between points, what are we thinking about? What are we focused on? How does that translate? Uh, 
to to a basketball game, well, we have a lot of stoppages in play. There's plenty of whistles, there's free throws, uh, there's substitutions and things like that. Okay, you're walking from one end to the other. You're breathing hard. What are you thinking about? You're thinking about the next set. You're thinking of something that they're going to run. You're thinking about the guy that you're guarding or is guarding you, what he's going to do, how you can get him off you, how you can get the ball to where we're trying to get to, et cetera, et cetera. Where's your focus at? You know, I talked about this with a guy yesterday. You know, tennis, uh, excuse me, tennis and golf are anti-basketball and football and those as far as basketball and, and football are sports where, like, the harder you try and the more tense you are, you generally get a jolt of, of a positive reaction. And in tennis and golf, you need to be intense, but you can't be tense. And so some of those things are to carry over where we try to get our guys, like, you can't only be high for a little while with a high level of energy. That's a short-term deal. Uh, how are you going to be able to play, you know, your 36 minutes? We want you very focused and very intense, but we don't want you to be tense where your performance, your shot isn't the same. And, and how could any of us hit a serve backhand or a golf swing if we're tense? And uh, that's just some of the performance stuff uh, that we try to translate over or from my background from tennis uh, into basketball. I like that. All right, last question. Uh, Tony Allen and Rafael Nadal are locked in a cage. Which one emerges? Hopefully they hold hands and take on all comers. Because the two of them are the toughest two dudes I've been around. And Tony Allen could do anything. He is a tremendous athlete. If I picture this guy or Rafa stealing stealing second base, I mean, they would just be un- un- unbelievable. Somebody gets away from him in the secondary, they're going to run him down in a football game. I mean, they're, they're just tremendous athletes and, and some of the best in the world. And The, the uh, amount of focus that Tony has uh, when he gets locked in, is is just tremendous what he can do defensively, and you see that with Nadal too. I mean, when he it's you know it's it's one thing, you know, if you're talking around and this and that, but when the switch hits for him or for any of those high level athletes, it's go time. This is my business. This is what I do. Uh, there there aren't any better in the world at what they do. Great answer. I love that. And and that's what these guys say about Nadal. They said Nadal could have been a professional soccer player just as easily, or like like you said, put put Nadal in the secondary. He's we have, we have an SEC football player on our hands. Are you, Can you um, imagine? Oh, I mean, <laughs> but the, the skill set a lot, a lot of overlap there. And like you say, the, uh, the the intensity might be hard to quantify, but you know it when you see it, and that that counts for a lot too. Absolutely. Are you are you doing your uh, your tennis event? You're, you're serving for tennis event in conjunction with the Memphis tournament again. Uh, yeah, we do it right at, right at uh, after the All Star break for for us. Uh, it's kind of a nice time of the year. Uh, we had 350 people this year. Uh, first annual was last year. Uh, got it going. Had a really nice turnout. Uh, 150 to 200 people that night, and it almost doubled this year. Uh, we anticipate that it'll continue to grow here. And it's just, you know, it, a it's it's a good thing because it raises the you know dollars for the NJTL. But it also does is it gets more. The more people you get involved, the more awareness there is about what this sport can do for people in our community of all ages, not just the kids. Uh, you know, people go where people are, and you know, try to get as many people involved as we can, and it, it's continued to grow, and we're seeing the, the benefits uh, uh, on our community. You're a very successful NBA coach. You're very well regarded, and if you ever wanted to switch sports, we'd love to have you. <laughs> we'll see what happens. I appreciate I, uh, it, John. Thank you for your time, man. This was great. Take it easy. Thanks, Coach. That was Dave Yeager, coach of the Memphis Grizzlies and a hardcore tennis fan and very fine player. We'll link his charity event in February as we get closer to the date. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. I'm John Wertheim. See you next week.
Thank you.